This is not going to be a glancing blow. This is not going to be a tropical storm. This is not going to be, uh, you know, one of those storms that, that, that uh, hit and, and move out, out to sea. This is going to be, you know, a Mike Tyson punch to the Carolina coast, and then it's going to have very heavy rains. Hurricane Florence has already begun its assault on the East Coast. And while the forecast continues to evolve as the storm shifts its path and changes intensity, Hurricane Florence threatens the safety of many Americans. We are planning for devastation. This is not a, uh, a light storm. This is not a glancing blow. So heed the warning and, and, and evacuate. If you're in a zone, evacuate. President Trump said this week that we are, quote, absolutely, totally prepared for Hurricane Florence. We are totally prepared. We're ready. Uh, We're as ready as anybody's ever been. So, are we? Has the president learned from last year's weather events and applied those lessons to this hurricane season? How prepared are federal, state, and local governments to face Hurricane Florence, both before and during the storm, but also after? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. This certainly isn't the first time that we've faced the dangers of a tropical cyclone in this country. The 2017 hurricane season alone saw three major hurricanes bring destruction to parts of the United States. In the span of a few weeks, in August and September of last year, we faced hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria. Washington Post science reporter Joel Achenbach recalls the anomalous nature of last year's back-to-back storms. It was such a strange hurricane. We had never seen anything quite like this. August 26, Hurricane Harvey on its path of destruction in Texas at this hour. Storm officials are calling it a significant disaster so far. We've got more images coming in overnight of water overtaking streets, flooding homes and buildings, rescue crews saving people who chose to stay in their homes. And Harvey is not going anywhere, as Amy said. That's right. And we mentioned it did hit as a The hurricane came in as a Category 4. And... It sort of plugged into Texas as though it was stuck in mud. It didn't, it it slowed down to not only a crawl, it reversed direction. Harvey migrated back off the coast uh, of southeast Texas, very close to Houston, and over the course of about five or six days, dropped 50 inches of rain, in some places 60 inches of rain. But Harvey was an anomaly. It just rained and rained and rained, and so Houston drowned. Harvey was a was a complete disaster and showed that hurricanes can can mess you up in ways you're not anticipating. Harvey, even as Texas struggles to recover in the hurricane's wake, the storm is moving north. Meanwhile, another storm, Hurricane Irma, has now strengthened to a Category Three out in the Atlantic. Jeff Berardelli is lead meteorologist. So Irma West comes Hall out of the Caribbean. Side swipes the um, Puerto Rico a little bit, but it hits the Virgin Islands pretty hard. And it then grazes Cuba and then takes a right turn and goes up the, the peninsula of Florida. Strangely enough, it, it didn't have quite the power that it looked like it would have because it was a, it was a Category 4 when it, when it made landfall. But the, the, the effects that it had were so huge because it essentially ate up the entire state. It had effects in Georgia, South Carolina. I mean, it was, this was a really, really big hurricane. 
And uh, not incidentally, it knocked out power and people died from overheating, like in nursing homes, things like that. It was a really, really big, massive, disastrous storm. And then along comes part three. The eye of Hurricane Maria just came ashore in Puerto Rico. The storm weakened slightly overnight to a strong Category 4, but officials there predict entire towns will have to be rebuilt. Maria's top winds, as you see, are now... It was September 20th when Maria hits Puerto Rico. And at that point, FEMA had, had already offloaded most of its supplies to the Virgin Islands. So the warehouse in Puerto Rico near San Juan, where they had all the, all the FEMA emergency supplies, was largely empty, or it was, it was way low on supplies, because FEMA had, I guess you could say, a, a failure of imagination. What would happen if two big storms came along back to back? Because they had planned for one. Within just a few weeks, three huge storms. A recent performance audit from the Government Accountability Office concluded that FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, generally responded as it should have to hurricanes Harvey and Irma. Now, in the case of Harvey and in the case of Irma, there was a fair number of people who were pre-positioned. They sent in a surge of people to go into Texas and into Florida to be prepared to handle the logistics, the uh, applications for federal disaster assistance, things like that. That same report from the GAO found that FEMA's performance in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria was a different story. The problem was is that when Maria rolled along, came along and hit Puerto Rico, FEMA was was sort of out of people to come to the rescue there. It was clear that, that they didn't have enough trained personnel, people who were trained to go in and do certain kinds of jobs. They were not qualified under FEMA's own standards of qualification. And so that was one of the factors that, that made the Maria response so problematic. Hurricane Maria resulted in thousands of casualties. In Thursday morning tweets, the president took issue with the number of deaths from Hurricane Maria, falsely saying a much higher count had been generated by Democrats to, quote, make me look as bad as possible. Here's where the higher count actually came from. A report from George Washington University released last month estimated that there were 2,975, quote, excess deaths in the six months after the storm. Some researchers under uh, contract with the governor of Puerto Rico, they looked at the death rates, the people who actually had died over the course of six months from the when the storm arrived to uh, a point in February, so a six-month period, how many people actually died? And then they used a sort of complicated analysis to figure out, well, how many should have died? And the number they came up with was 2,975 excess deaths. You know, you have a a certain mortality expectation because, you know, people are old or, you know, people, they get in car wrecks, you know, on a sunny day, things go wrong. But uh, there was such a spike in the deaths that they could attribute nearly 3,000 deaths to the storm. Despite this number of casualties, Trump this week said that his administration's response to Maria was one of the, quote, best jobs that's ever been done with respect to what this is all about. In Puerto Rico, I think, was tremendous. I think that Puerto Rico was an incredible, unsung success. 
Texas. That assessment by Trump has been criticized by congressional Democrats, but also by officials in Puerto Rico. So I'm not sure what what the president's standard is there because it was such a disaster. No one who went through it could possibly call that a success. It's it's um, you know compared to what I mean. It it, it was one of the worst. Uh, natural disasters and humanitarian disasters that we've seen in in a long time. When he says it's an incredible unsung unsung success, I I think that that he's, you know, he's resorting to the kind of um, triumphalism that is characteristic of the president. You know, that this was the biggest, this was the best, no one's ever done anything this great before. And I think certainly there's a lot of um, it has to be framed in the context of the challenge. It was an overwhelming challenge. And the GAO put out a report saying that FEMA was overwhelmed by Maria. So it's hard to reconcile that with the president's description of it as an incredible unsung success. I just don't think anyone who lived through it or who covered it would describe it that way. FEMA A federal agency is not the only organization tasked with hurricane preparedness. State and local governments also play a significant role in how their communities deal with natural disasters. One thing that FEMA emphasizes, and I don't think this is ever really going to sell with the public, is that they're not first responders. They say the first responders are local, they're state. FEMA is supposed to be the backup, right? But... Really, since Hurricane Katrina, when FEMA botched the job so badly, the spotlight is always going to be on FEMA, the the federal response. And uh, that's just the way it's going to be. They're going to be accountable. It doesn't matter how many times the administrator says, we are not first responders. People want to know, where is FEMA in this? Last year's hurricane season may have felt extraordinary. But what we've seen already this year suggests that extraordinary hurricane seasons may keep coming. As we look ahead to Florence and beyond, can we get better? What would it take to improve our preparedness strategy? There are a few things that uh, we need to keep in mind with respect to how we're going to be ready for uh, large storms, which we're, uh, there's no real end to where this is going. And uh, we're going to be experiencing severe storms well into the future. That's Dr. Erwin Redliner. He's the director of the National Center for Disaster Preparedness at Columbia University. I asked him to explain the ways we can lessen damage and casualties from these catastrophic storms. Some of the things that have been definitely beefed up are the ability of federal as well as state and local agencies to be prepared in terms of the immediate response. So pre-positioning of uh, supplies and materials by FEMA and by other elements of the federal government, for example, Health and Human Services, getting medical supplies ready in advance, evacuating people in an effective, safest possible way in advance of the storm. The big question is, are we going to be more resilient? In other words, is our ability to tolerate the big impact of the storm and then recover quickly, is that improving substantially? And I'm afraid that uh, for many of us, the answer is really not really. We're still deeply enmeshed in recovery processes following hurricanes uh, Harvey in Texas and uh, Maria, of course, in Puerto Rico. And there are people seriously suffering in that aftermath whose homes have not been rebuilt, whose um, 
cars have not been replaced, whose work has been very much impacted, whose economic situations have actually deteriorated. And for children, many kids not really back to normal. We have thousands and thousands of children, for example, in Puerto Rico, you know, a year after Hurricane Maria, who are still not back in school. There's towns where there's hundreds of homes that have not only not been rebuilt, but the blue tarps that we use to cover exposed rooms and houses that have been affected by the hurricane. Those tarps themselves are beginning to rot because they've been on there so long. So lots of problems. I don't know that we're any more prepared for recovery for the Carolinas and Virginia relative to uh, Florence as we compare to last year even. So what can be done in the lead up to some of these storms? Do we see those things happening now anywhere in the world, the best prevention mechanisms? Well, it, well, first of all, in terms of the uh, the ideal would be to actually prevent storms like this, which is a, a very long-term initiative and it has to start with doing something about accelerating uh, climate change. And that's that's obviously a big, fraught political problem. We can make places that are in danger more resilient by building seawalls and uh, making sure houses are constructed in high-risk storm surge areas on stilts and so on. So those things that we can do, uh, which we're doing very little of, actually, compared to what is needed. I mean, you remember after Katrina, when the levees failed and flooded New Orleans, well, the studies were done that showed there were about 2,000 dams and levees in the U.S. that were in ill repair and needed to be fixed, and very few of them actually were. I don't think there's any country in the world that is particularly good at recovery, just to get to that part of it, or prevention, for that matter. But then there's countries like the Netherlands in Europe, which is you know, obviously a country that's below sea level in many parts of that uh, nation, and back in the 50s and 60s, they built an exquisite uh, technological miracle of, uh, of levee systems that actually literally keeps the ocean out of the Netherlands. So the technology and the brain power exists. Uh, the rhetoric is there. We have the wherewithal to plan effectively, but we don't seem to have the willpower to get it done. And even worse, we don't seem to have the political interest in making sure that the money is there to do what needs to get done. People talk about each of these big storms being considered a wake-up call, meaning that maybe we'll do better next time. But I've been writing about this. They're, they're more like snooze alarms. Once all the drama of the immediacy goes away, so does public interest, and more importantly, so does political interest. And that's a problem that we're going to have to figure out how to deal with. Why does political interest matter? What steps should the administration be taking to prevent hurricane devastation in the future? An administration and the bully pulpit of the president and leaders in Congress of both parties need to be of one voice saying that they're resolute in committing to making America a lot more resilient to disasters that can cost lives and do horrible destruction. Are we fighting a losing battle? Is it reasonable to think that we can drastically reduce casualties from these kinds of storms? I, uh, the eternal optimist in me says, yes, we should be able to do a lot better, but it requires investment. And this is the thing that I don't know how to solve, that if investment in resiliency and uh, the ability to save and protect people, the ability to use technology maximally to protect people and be ready for big storms. If we're not doing those investments, and we really aren't doing anywhere near enough of them, 
then I'm not sure how long this process is going to take, this process of getting better at it. So we'll wait and see. Maybe this this particular situation, maybe it will be more of a wake-up call. But I think maybe if the storm was targeting Capitol Hill and the White House, maybe we'd get people's attention a little bit more. But uh, we're a little bit south of that. For now, President Trump is saying that for Hurricane Florence, the federal government is absolutely, totally prepared. That claim raises some concerns for Post reporter Joel Achenbach. I don't think that you can ever, as a state, local, or federal government, completely prepare for a hurricane because of the nature of any natural disaster. You don't know how it's going to play out. You don't know where it's going to drop 30 inches of rain. So would you say the administration is more prepared than they were for Harvey, for Irma, for Maria, less prepared, about the same? I would I would certainly expect that the administration and FEMA understands that they're in the spotlight after what happened last year. I don't have a way of measuring, I have no metric for how prepared they are, but they're holding briefings every day. They seem to be speaking about this with a level of seriousness that we did not see necessarily three or four days in advance of of Harvey. Now, are there things that administrations can do that differentiate their approach to disaster preparedness and relief? Are there actual differences in how administrations can approach this to be more effective? Or is it just we learn more over time and therefore, as time goes on, we'll get better and better at this? Well, there's a basic fundamental question of, you know, where should the dollars go? Is this a federal responsibility or, or is it a state responsibility or a local responsibility? And the conservative argument uh, uh, kind of leans towards let's get the states and the local folks to take responsibility for this, and this should not be a federal responsibility. I do think that the public, though, wants FEMA to be strong. I, I, I don't have the exact numbers. I believe the initial Trump budget called for cuts to the FEMA budget, and I uh, am guessing that that's an issue right there of, you know, to what extent should tax dollars go to a federal emergency agency versus keeping those funds in local or state uh, coffers. Hurricanes tend to focus the mind of, of everyone, and they're, they're not partisan issues. I mean, hurricanes and earthquakes and events like that hurt everyone equally. It's interesting, the idea that hurricanes affect everybody equally, because I think we've seen that those who live in poverty, those who don't have access to means of evacuating as easily, those people who don't have shelter to begin with, often suffer disproportionately in these events. Is that the case? That's absolutely the case. And we saw this with the hurricanes last year. Famously, the elderly were quite vulnerable in these nursing homes in Texas and in Florida and in, in Puerto Rico, the analysis of, of the death rates in Puerto Rico showed that the poorer communities, the lower income communities, uh, were completely devastated. So you're right. I mean, the natural disasters affect people more when they, they don't have access to medical care or the ability to, you know, jump on a plane or, or, or leave town. A lot of people, they need to stay close to home. And some people depend on their communities for their income. They can't just say, oh, I'm going to take, you know, two weeks to go evacuate someplace. There's, there's no question that, that, that all of the after-action reports from these hurricanes have showed that the poor tend to be greatly impacted compared to people who are more affluent. 
I am from a part of New Jersey that was harmed by Hurricane Sandy, and I was shocked by how long it takes for a community to rebound from that, for things to be rebuilt, for us to start to get back to the place where we started. So for those who are unaffected by these things, I think it can be hard when the news sort of fades away to have an idea of how long it takes for a community to heal. So based on your reporting of this for many, many years, sort of how long does it take for a community to get back to where it started after some sort of disaster? Well, you look at a place like New Orleans after Katrina, many, many years. I mean, 10 years after Katrina, had it fully recovered? Well, that that hurricane, that disaster, which which killed close to 2,000 people, forever changed that city. It's just, it's not the same city as it was. And a lot of thousands of people uh, left and, and never came back. But how long does it take to recover? I mean, you know, Maria in Puerto Rico, that situation is going to take years to to rebuild the island, I would say. I mean, it, it's not going to happen uh, in just a year or two. So now as we head into this hurricane, are we prepared for the possibility of multiple hurricanes in a row? You say sort of last year we weren't quite ready for that. Are we this year? Well, we better be because there's another hurricane out there. Hurricane, I think it's uh, Isaac is 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 out there right now. It looks like it's on a more southerly track. But I I think that if you had to say in, in totality, and everyone at FEMA would would agree with this actually too, Americans in general are not very well prepared for a bad day. And some of that is just human nature. You don't. You know, no one wants to sit around and think. You know. What happens if there's an earthquake today? What, what happens if some terrible calamity strikes, you know, if there's a terrorist attack? That's one thing that the, the heads of FEMA, I've talked to a couple from different parties, you know, they kind of uh, wring their hands about it. You know, why can't people be more prepared? It's, there's a tendency also to think that, that, that if a bad day happens, someone will come save me, you know, that I, and, and that, you know, where where is the cavalry, right? And the message that you hear from emergency folks is don't count on someone to say, come save you. You need to be ready to do this yourself. You need to be you need to be prepared and and think it through because there's a lot of ways that not just natural disasters, you can have human induced disasters. Things can go awry and um, you know, are you ready for it? Are you ready for a bad day? For those Americans affected by Hurricane Florence, please stay safe. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? If you liked it, please share it and review it wherever you listen to podcasts. Can He Do That? is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the intrepid Carol Alderman with design help from Kat Rudell Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon. <laughs>